Let us pray. Almighty God, we ask that you would open up our hearts and our minds and our spirits to hear your word in this place today, to feel your presence moving among us. We ask that you would illuminate the words of scripture, that they might change the very core of who we are. In the name of Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, amen. Our Old Testament reading this morning comes from the book of Exodus, chapter 24, verses 12 through 18. The Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and wait there, and I will give you the tablets of stone with the law and the commandment which I have written for their instruction. So Moses set out with his assistant Joshua, and Moses went up into the mountain of God. To the elders he had said, Wait here for us until we come to get you again, for Aaron and Hur are with you. Whoever has a dispute may go to them. Then Moses went up on the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it for six Days, And on the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the cloud. Now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. Moses entered the cloud and went up on the mountain. Moses was on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. Our gospel reading is again from the Gospel of Matthew, but we move forward today from the Sermon on the Mount to a very special moment in the lives of Jesus and three of his closest disciples. We will be reading from Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 through 9. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud a voice said, This is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up. And do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, Tell no one about this vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. This is the word of God for the people of God. 
May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Several years ago, Tim and I had the joy of traveling together to Turkey. We were fortunate enough to have gone just before the Turkish government became really unstable and the Syrian refugee crisis started to turn that country upside down. We loved Turkey, we loved the people there, we loved the sights and the museums and the food. Our favorite part of the trip, however, was our time in Cappadocia. This is the wild and beautiful place in which many of the desert fathers, from the very earliest days of the church, went to retreat. Many of them were hiding from those who persecuted them or from the noise and the bustle of the city. And so they carved their churches and their monasteries into the sides of cliffs and rock formations. There are entire valleys full of these cave churches. And in many of them, because they're in caves with um, certain conditions, you can still see many of the painted frescoes on the walls and on the ceilings, pictures of saints and stories from the Bible. One of the days that Tim and I were exploring those cave churches, ooing and aahing over all of the ancient pictures on the walls and the ceilings, we came across one that seemed less traveled. It was sort of high up on the cliff, and we had to take a little climb up some very shifting, shifty-looking rock stairs if we wanted to get to it. And there wasn't a major write-up on this particular church in the travel guide. It had an unusual name as well. It's called the Deer Church. And the only thing our travel guide had to say was that it was called the Deer Church, because one of the few remaining distinguishable figures on the walls of this church was a deer. We debated skipping this one. I'm not a fan of shifty-looking rock stairs or climbs onto little cliffs. And there were literally hundreds of these cave churches to explore. But we went up anyway. We climbed up the steps into that strange little stone chapel with its washed-out frescoes of deer and nature. And sisters and brothers, God surely did meet us there at the top of that climb in the church carved in the side of a cliff. I was immediately overwhelmed by the presence of God there. I was overcome by the knowledge that this place had been made sacred hundreds of years ago when our powerful brothers and sisters and fathers and mothers in the faith prayed and sang and read scripture there. When they did in that place all those hundreds of years ago, what we are doing here in this place this morning I was quite literally knocked to my knees and moved to sing by the power of the Lord in that place. I was so overcome by the presence there that I'd forgotten that Tim was there too until he started singing with me, also overcome by the Holy Spirit. I honestly have no idea how long we were there. 
maybe half an hour, maybe an hour. Time just didn't seem to matter right then. It was perhaps the holiest moment of my life. And then, as we always do, we had to leave. It was hard to leave that little chapel. We both wanted to stay there for the whole day, or maybe camp out there or something. Because, you know, camping out in the middle of the Turkish wilderness is a great idea. But we knew that there were other churches to see, that there were planes to catch, that there was life to move on with. And so we saw the other churches, and we caught those planes, and we got on with life. The other cave churches and monasteries were beautiful, but none were anything like the holy beauty of the dear church. It was a stark feeling leaving that little church and moving on with our trip, because inevitably we crash after an experience like that. If you've ever had a holy moment like we did at the Deer Church, or on a missions trip, or a very special worship service, any of those moments in which you just know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God was there, you know that feeling of climbing back down the mountain, wondering when the next one is to come. Knowing that there will be other cave churches, other missions trips, other worship services, but never knowing which one might be another mountaintop experience. When we look back on the good old days in the American church, we often see it as a sort of collective mountaintop experience. And when we look around us today at all of the people who are sleeping in or having brunch instead of sitting next to us this morning in church, we think that this must be the valley. We hope and cling to the idea that there must be another mountaintop coming, another day in which things are like they were back then at the peak. We just don't know when or how. But when we look to today's texts, something stands out to me. For the past few weeks, we've been studying the Sermon on the Mount, the big, long speech that Jesus gave to the multitudes who came from near and far to hear him and to see his miracles. Multitudes, just like we used to see in the pews on Sunday mornings. But that was a very different kind of mountain than we read about today. Today's mountains are intimate, not thronging. They are God reaching out to just a few very faithful. While the mount on which Jesus preached is exhilarating, inspiring, and full of people, the mountain on which Moses receives the law and the mountain on which Jesus' glory is revealed to only three of the twelve disciples are something other. They are intimate. They are holy. God did not invite the whole of the nation of Israel to the top of the mountain to receive the law. He knew that there were many whose hearts were not ready for that. 
Jesus did not invite the multitudes from the hillside or even all twelve disciples onto the mountain on which he revealed his glory. He knew that they were not all ready for that yet. Just a few. I have long been fascinated by Peter's response to seeing Jesus' glory revealed. Lord, this is great. Let's build you some little houses. It's such a baffling thing to say that in the midst of God's glory revealed in Jesus Christ and the manifestation of Moses and Elijah standing beside him, Peter is worried about pitching them some tents. Perhaps he just felt uncomfortable sitting and being in the presence of God without doing, so he wanted to find an action that was concrete. It is easier, after all, to keep our minds and bodies busy with busy work and tasks than it is to just sit in the holiness of the moment. But perhaps in Peter's case, the opposite is true. Perhaps he knew that this was one of the holiest moments of his entire life. And like Tim and I wanting to camp out in the Deer Church, Peter wanted to camp out on that mountain and just be in God's presence. Immediately before this, or rather six days before this, Scripture tells us, in Matthew 16, Jesus foretells his death and resurrection. He warns the disciples of the great trials, that are coming. And knowing that, I cannot blame Peter for wanting to just hang out on that holy mountain just a little bit longer. And then God really speaks, and they all hit the deck in awe of God. When Jesus says, get up, don't be afraid, I wonder, in the context of what he warned them about just before climbing the mountain, If he's not just talking about that moment of fear, that one moment of having heard God's voice, I think that in a way, he's telling them, I know you want to sit here on the mountain, soaking in this moment. But remember that this moment is here to prepare you for what is to come. And it's going to be hard. But I'm here, and you can do this. So don't be afraid of what's about to happen next. Take this moment with you. I don't know that we can say that the good old days, as we like to call them, of the American Christian Church, were really the mountaintop like we see Moses and Peter and James and John experience in today's scriptures. They were more like the hillside on which Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount, They were exhilarating, inspiring, full of people, and there's nothing wrong with that. But it's also not the end-all, be-all. Perhaps the few dedicated Christians in the pews around us now are on the way up the mountain, not down. We're not coming down from the mountaintop experience. We're moving from the busy, bustling crowd of people toward God's invitation to intimacy and relationship with the very maker of creation. 
And just like Peter, James, and John were being prepared for the incredible witness and ministry they were each to bring to the world, we are headed to a place of intimacy with God so that we too can be fully prepared to be witnesses and ministers to the gospel of Jesus Christ. The holiest, most intimate moments on the mountain happen with just a few there. Not there for show, not there for the show, not there for anything in particular other than to answer God's invitation into a holy space. I invite you to take a silent moment and to either close your eyes or to look around, whichever works better for you. Breathe in the holiness of God's presence in this place. Consider the many generations who have called this place, this sanctuary, sacred, and who have worshipped here. Take in the holy mountain, the glory of God, around us right now. On the weeks in which you feel tired or run down or sad or mad or just blah, seek God in this place. Let the holiness of God's presence mend your weary soul. On the weeks in which you have so much to do that you can't keep your head on straight, seek God in this place. Turn away from the rushing crowds and hold on to the feeling of wanting to just slow down and camp out in God's presence. As we enter into Lent this week, the time which is traditionally set aside for prayer and for fasting and seeking God, seek God in this place. Come with a humble and a prepared heart, ready to hear the word of God spoken to you. Ready and expectant for the Holy Spirit to illuminate the pages of scripture for you so that you might see God's glory just as Moses and Peter and James and John saw God's glory on those mountains so many centuries ago. The God of the mountains then is the God of the mountains now, still inviting, still speaking, still calling out from the clouds to those who will listen. May the blessing and the glory and the wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen.